you can go whenever you'd like. Okay. Hi, this is Josh Dovin. I'm an associate teaching professor at Drexel University. Currently closing out the winter term this week. Pretty excited about that. And in more relatable news, I just got done mopping my living room floor. Perfect. <laughs> How's that? Perfect intro on the first try. All right, I'll take it. One of my favorite intros was one of my friends said, and I'm learning to sew. And I'm like, I like that one. There you go. <laughs> yeah. People don't know about how I know you is that you were my professor in college for web design and my first introduction to UX. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. It, it was a huge impact on my life, I have to say. Okay. Yeah. What, in what terms? So like when I was at school studying graphic design, I knew that it was the closest thing to what I wanted to do, but I always knew that there was something missing, but I didn't know what that thing was. And so that was like a very scary feeling to have as like a, I don't know, 19, 20 year old. And so once I started learning how to, I don't know, put websites together and starting to understand that there is this thing called UX, it's not just like this abstract thing that other people talk about in other majors and other people once I found out I could do that, I realized that was that thing that was missing. And okay. it, it was just this overwhelming feeling of like, oh, my God, this is that thing that I've just been ignoring for so long. And it was it was huge for me at that age. Okay. I think it's always interesting to hear alumni stories and kind of where they ended up and where they thought they might have ended up and kind of how things related to what they might have learned or maybe not learned in Drexel at the time they were there. So I think it's always interesting. It's fun to hear and catch up kind of where people are in their careers. I know that like a lot of people have gone into UX, like they would, they started out studying like traditional graphic design and then they get exposed to other things or like, I don't know, people mentor them. Or for me, I found a, a YouTube video from a product designer at Instacart and she was sharing all about her life and everything and, and her day to day and, and what that lifestyle is like a product designer and i just i just watched all of her videos all through covid <laughs> Everything okay. she put out i just i don't know i just would put it on my um my exercise bike and just watch it like a little hand homemade peloton yeah yeah <laughs> yeah all the product design videos yeah that would yeah that was probably the, the turning point for me for sure okay okay yeah now is that something that you pursued like the product design avenue more or I started out in like with Webflow and web design and doing a bunch of that, like some WYSIWYG stuff, but then like Webflow, which is kind of like a bit of both. And then, yeah, I don't think I told you yet. I started making all these YouTube videos. I would go on awards.com and then pick a website that I liked and I would do a Loom video reaction to it. Okay. <laughs> and then I would go to the, the agency that made that website. And then I would react to that. And then I would share it with that whoever made the website. I would say, hey, I did a little review of your video. I really, of your website. I really, really like it. And so then I found Zipcar and I thought, oh, maybe I should do one of, of an app. Like that would be really cool. And so I made this video and it's so cringy. It was from like a year and a half ago. And right before I, I put it out there, I put it on unlisted, like link only. And I sent it to Zipcar saying, hey, love your product. Just is this okay for me to share? Like, is there anything here in here that's sensitive you want me to take out or edit? And they thought that was adorable. And they thought that I was like really <laughs> passionate about the product. And so they kept me in mind for a year. And I kept on posting about the podcast, posting about other stuff that I'm interested in. And then when a job came open, this is a long winded answer of me saying, now I'm working at Zipcar as a oh, okay. user experience designer and like working oh. on 
website and I'm working on their app. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's certainly an interesting way to go about finding a job. So that's, uh, that's different. That's definitely a new one that, that I've heard. That's cool. When I tell people, I'm like, I don't know what possessed me to make this incredibly cringy YouTube video like a year and a half ago, but it worked out. And, um, are you still making videos then like that in that kind of format? I probably should. I am still doing the podcast and talking with people that I'm friends with or people that I want to meet, but I think I could do more videos. I think I, I have a friend who's very good at editing videos, so I might even put it oh. together and then send it over to him and say, hey, can you just put this together, the last couple pieces for me? I'm sure he'd, he'd uh, be very good at that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. Very interesting. I wanted to ask you, uh, one of my favorite questions I, I get to ask anybody is when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A pilot. A pilot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to fly. Yeah. I think that was always the dream as a kid. I don't know when that dream left. <laughs> Probably once math became a very real subject in my life of like having to be really good at it. And as a designer, I'm not really good at it. So I think that was kind of the the turning point for me, realizing, oh, probably not in the cards. But yeah, no, as a kid, I wanted to fly. I don't know what where the dream came from. We grew up near a, an army base, so maybe just the helicopters and stuff flying over us all the time mm -hmm. kind of spawned that idea. But yeah, as a kid, pilot, pilot was the uh, that was the goal, that was the dream. So yeah, you grew up near an army army base. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, pretty close towards Central PA for you know until I was high schoolish we moved so yeah i was there for most of the most of my childhood what what was the name of that town from like early childhood the base is fort indian town gap okay and it's out towards like the northern part of lebanon county in pennsylvania okay yeah i'm yeah. from uh lehigh valley okay yeah. yeah yep so a little bit more uh east i guess that is yeah what was it yeah. like growing up in that town it was a very small town, very small school. It was nice. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's rural as far as like, you know, as far as like design and stuff goes, that, that didn't really exist. Like I'm always kind of amazed when I hear the students talk about their high school experiences or their school experiences with design classes and things like that. Like we, that, that didn't exist for me. We had art class, but it wasn't like it's design class and they weren't, we weren't talking about design principles and things like that. I think I can remember it was a big deal in high school when we got a Mac for the art class. And I also can remember that the, the teacher had like real no, like no idea what to do with it either. Like it was like, yeah, we got it. But now what? Yeah. The upbringing versus like the going to college in the big city. I think that was, it was a big contrast for me. And so it was a, a night and day switch, but it was fun. And so I, but you know, growing up in the, in the, in the small, in the small town, I, you know, I wouldn't trade for anything. I liked it. I really enjoyed it for what it was worth. Yeah. Was it like suburban or was it more rural? It was very rural. Yeah. Very rural. Yeah. 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 We technically lived on, they called it a farm at, so it had like a barn and a house, but there was no land. We didn't have any real land with it. So it had all the structures, but just no like land for farming and stuff like that. So, and we lived at kind of like at the base of a little mountain. Spent most of the summers, you know, kind of off in the woods, fishing and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. What kind of kid were you at the pilot age? Uh, what do you mean? I don't know. If you could describe who you were, the age where you wanted to be a pilot. Like, how would you describe that kid? Oh, I would say played a lot of sports at that age when I was younger. 
uh, outside all the time. I was an outside kid. I, I did, but I also love video games though. I think that was kind of one of the pulls into design for me, to be honest, was the video game aspect of things. But so I think that that played a big part in it. I would say I spent the, you know, the, the majority of times with my brother growing up and I had one friend that lived within a, within walking distance. Um, so we, we became best friends, but that was just by proximity, I think, uh, as a kid. So yeah, I would say, you know, that time frame of wanting to be a pilot, it was just, there was a lot of sports. I fished a lot at my grandmother's, my grandparents' farm. I spent a lot of time at their farm uh, growing up as a kid at that age. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of, that's kind of what I was just, just an adventurous outside kid that, that spent a lot of time outside doing things. I think there's something fun about people who grew up with, there's the kids that grew up with like, I don't know, I was inside all the time playing video games and like, sure, that's like totally one way to grow up. But I think that people who grew up with, uh, what were your toys? Well, we played sticks and we played, um, pretend and we would just go into the woods for hours and that was our entertainment and like you knew to come home because it got dark like i think that that's a fun person to be friends with i think growing up in the rural area you kind of that almost comes with the territory because you're you're, you kind of have to be a little self-reliant on yourself for entertainment at that age and so it's a lot of just yeah, exploring a lot of bike rides. You know, I don't know how many miles we put on our, our little bikes as kids, but there was a ton of it um, and stuff like that. So I think it's a fun age. I think it shaped a lot of the characteristics and the character that I that I have now. If I look back and really tie things together, I think it played a, a really pivotal point in my life, more so than I probably realized uh, as I was going through it that it would ever kind of play. What do you mean by that? Like it, it was a really pivotal thing in your life that you realize only now. The self-reliancy or, you know, figuring things out and if you want to do something, okay, great. But how are you going to get it done? How do you want to do this? How are we going to do this? And, and even back then it was, you know, we were limited in our abilities to do just about anything. But if you really wanted to do something or you wanted to build this thing or whatever it was, you figured out a way. And I think that really served well through the years of like not having to rely on other people to figure things out and just like, Hey, let's just, let's just do this. Let's just figure it out. And it didn't always work. And and a lot of times it was disastrous, but, but you learned a lot through the process. And I think you wouldn't trade it either because the next time that came around, the next time you went through something, you learned a lot of lessons from that last time that you kind of took with you. And I think that's, that's one of those things I think as, as you go through and as I look back at things, you know, even, even as a kid, it was one of those situations where like, all right, I, I understand now why, you know, if I get stuck, the first thing is I don't do is I just, I don't go ask somebody. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to exhaust all the things on my own as, as I can as possible. Uh, but I think that kind of really ties back into like just being a kid and not having the option of, of asking somebody for help and just kind of having to do it on your own um, type of thing for, uh, you know, again, that's strictly for like entertainment purposes of just yeah. playing as a kid and stuff like that. What was your brother and your friend like at that age too? The trio? Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty much carbon copies of each other at that point. Yeah. You know, we're all very similar. Yeah, we're all very similar. We all played sports. Like I said, we spent a lot of time together just because the the, the proximity of, of how close we live to each other. And so growing up, yeah, I spent, yeah, I spent the majority of, I'd say like, elementary school to like junior high with those two Mm -hmm. because of kind of where we where we lived i do a lot of research on people before 
podcast. So like if I bring up something that you haven't told sure. me, just know that, that I do that sure. for everybody. You you also have a sister, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've got a younger sister. I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. Yeah. So she was there too, but she was, you know, it's the little sister. And so you're not, you know, unless unless mom tells us we have to take Jenna with, uh, that wasn't always that wasn't always top priority. So I'll be honest. <laughs> um so growing up it wasn't as much uh as much to do with my sister you know, versus like if i think back it's like i can remember sledding with her as a kid um like winter time and, and those kind of things but but there wasn't it wasn't like a day-to-day thing it wasn't like every day in summer we're we're, we're, we're dragging her out with us um so that was yeah it happens you have different interests yeah. okay <laughs> yeah well there's you know is that my brother and i were about i think we're about 16 months apart and my sister and i were closer to like i uh, just about four years three and a half years so i think it's enough time as a kid like now it's not a big deal but back then like three and a half years is like a lifetime to be apart from uh from a sibling and so it's like uh they're there's they're just little kids they're, you know they're, she was always just that little tiny kid for me and so um you know it, it at some point that sort of that perception changes i think for everybody but growing up she was always just a little a little sister that i didn't you know we didn't really need to tag along with I'm I'm the oldest of three as well. I'm the oldest daughter of three girls. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure the little one, that your youngest sister, probably didn't get to go on as many adventures as uh, as she might have wanted to growing up. <laughs> she is a very strong character. She was always so much more rough and tumble than the other older ones, and she was up for anything. And she was like, she's like, I'm ready to go. I want to be included. We're gonna do this. Like I'm here. And I, don't, I always yeah, admire yeah, yeah. that about her. I do remember as an oldest, I would say, you can let me go do fun things or you, you can let me grow up a little bit because you still have our youngest sister. Like she's still a little kid. Like you can give me a little space because you still have her. I remember like making that comparison of like, well, you can let me go, I don't know, adventure or anything like that and let me grow up and let me, I don't know, be a big girl because you still have Abby. <laughs> Uh, okay okay <laughs> i don't know if you ever did that like you can let me grow up because you still have the little one like don't pay too much attention to me <laughs> it might have been a little different in the mindset of of my parents just because it, she was the little girl and then the you know the, the, the two brothers are the older one so i think it was that they let us kind of do things but some of the things they would let us do they actually like jenna wasn't allowed to come with because it wasn't you know that that's you know no you're gonna stay home it's a little safer we know you're gonna be safe here and not going out with those two knuckleheads um yeah. so i think it it might have been a little different in that point of view i guess maybe yeah and when did you move what was that move for we moved when i was going into freshman year of high school my parents ended up building a house a little over an hour from where we currently live. So we switched school districts and all that kind of stuff going into to freshman year. So the their, their house now is, if you know Ski Roundtop, they're on the backside of Ski Roundtop in Central PA. That's where they live. Mm-hmm. That's a really tough age to switch schools. It sucked. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was awful. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, you know, I can appreciate, you know, the other people I've talked to, especially people in military families that move around a bunch like this, it's got to be really difficult, you know, because I had I had a, a set of friends for literally since, you know, kindergarten to eighth grade, and then it they were all gone. And so I, it was uh, a whole new school district going into high school. And the, 
the district we moved to, they had a middle school, which we didn't. So uh, from like seventh to 12th grade, it was all just one school. And so this was a, they had a middle school here. So everyone was transitioning to high school, which made it a little easier because that means all, it was a brand new building for everybody. But uh, you know, you're still the new kid. You're still the new kid that nobody knows. And where'd you come from and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it wasn't, you know, looking back, it wasn't enjoyable. I know that much. I can, I can remember like it, it was not a fun transition into high school. Let's put it that way. What was that first, like, I'm guessing first six months, like in that new school for you? I think it was fine. I mean, nothing really sticks out in my mind of it being like horrific or anything like that. The kids were nice. I mean, you know, the, the kids were very nice that, that the district moved into and, and um, obviously I'm friends with them now in present day versus the kids I grew up with. So, yeah, I think it was, um, I, I think that time in life is just awkward for everybody. So I don't think it was like, I was any more awkwardly special for me versus everybody else. Cause it's, you know, it's just a weird time in your life. And so I think it didn't help, but I don't think it actually, it also didn't hurt. It was just one of those things where it's just life and you kind of just make the best of it. I feel like you have a lot more perspective now and you can kind of look at it differently. But how do you think you would have described it at that age? Like if I don't know, the first three months. Of I school, mean, the first six, yeah, the first three months, six months, it was probably awful because yeah, again, it, I didn't have you know all all the friends that I knew for the last you know whatever. Uh, that's gone, and as a kid, you know, I'm I'm not driving or anything like that, so I can't see anybody, and it, we're just far enough away that there's no interaction. There's no. And there was no, obviously there's no social media or anything like that. So it's kind of like when you leave, you leave. And it's, if you call somebody great, you might get them, you might not, but it, it's, it's a, it was a different atmosphere at a different time back then. And I think it's, I think that, that kind of, those kind of interactions are probably gone now with social media and the world just feeling a lot smaller where you could move, but you could still maintain a relationship probably with a lot of those people with social aspects and things like that, social apps and all those kind of things. Whereas then it wasn't an option and it was kind of just like, Hey, this is reality. And I, and it kind of just forces you to move on and kind of just start forming new friendships and new relationships and, and kind of just going about that. And it, it forces you to be outside a little outside of your comfort zone because you are the outsider and you don't know anybody. And so you kind of make, you got to make friends and you got to just kind of, Go with the flow a little bit, I guess. And so it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a challenging time. I'm sure. Again, I don't, I don't have too many memories of it. So whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm sure if I could go back to, you know, 14 year old Josh, he would sit here and, and have a very different perspective of the situation than I have right now. I'm sure of that. Um, but with time, things, you know, things kind of fade into into memory. What was 14 year old Josh like? 14-year-old Josh, what was he like? Hmm. He probably wasn't much different than 10-year-old Josh when 10-year-old Josh wanted to be a pilot. Yeah. No, probably not. I mean, sports dominated a lot of my childhood and then spent a lot of time with my grandparents on their farm in the summers and things like that. And so, yeah, there wasn't a lot of a change, a lot more probably fishing at that at 14-year-old Josh probably did uh, on the farm here at my parents' place. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was much of a difference. Just uh, maybe a little taller. <laughs> Not much, but maybe a little. When I was 10, 
I actually wanted to be a uh, uh, movie director. Around that age, my dad showed me um, all the Harry, uh, not Harry Potter, all the Star Wars movies. And uh, he experienced all of it, like with them coming out in real time. And my sisters and I wanted to see them like, okay, we just watched one. We want to watch the, the, the next one. And so my dad would make us watch one and then wait a day and then watch the next one. Because he's like, I waited years for this. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't get to watch two in a day. Like, you're yeah. not going to be spoiled like that. <laughs> yeah, I would say that that movie franchise has probably had the biggest impact on me from, from a movie really? standpoint. Like, as a kid, oh, yeah, Star, the original trilogy... I mean, that was always the go-to movie to watch as a kid. And I had, you know, I had the VHSs. And at one point, I'm almost positive I could have recited almost every line in all of those movies. Like, without a doubt, without a doubt, that could have happened. And so I just, yeah, I really remember just being in awe struck with those movies and sort of, and as a kid, I didn't, you know, I didn't really appreciate the story or the kind of, concepts that are that are in the movie that that run throughout but as a kid it's just visual eye candy and i think that's that's really what it was for me and and the story was great i'm sure but it was more just the visuals of, of all that all the characters and things like that so yeah that played a really big impact on me um as a kid for sure that that series what were the video games that played an impact on you because you mentioned that before so again you know this is back in way back in the late 80s early 90s and so it was it was mario Zelda, uh, which are still around to this day. Those are probably the two biggest franchises as a kid um, that really piqued my curiosity of of design, I think, because the, the, the levels were so engaging to me. And I think like the color combinations and the shapes and and just the, the whole the whole package. I it just I think it really shaped a lot of my curiosity of design that would that would I don't think would come to light for years years later but I think that really was planted the seed in, in me uh, of of kind of just noticing things and maybe I, and I didn't understand why I was noticing them or why I liked things or what they meant to me but it stuck out to me and it, and it played a really big impact in, in me and I think that I can also remember as a kid having very fond memories of my of, of my brother and I sitting around playing things and, and playing video games and trying to beat different levels and things like that and getting stuck and being very frustrated for a very long time. But I think that, all, that was all part of the process. It was all part of the, the enjoyment too. And so, yeah, that, that definitely played a big part of it. And then as the, as the systems progressed, you know, they kept getting better and better and, and, and more sort of in depth with design, I guess you could call it. And so I think it just kept my curiosity kind of peaked. Um, as as the games kept getting more and more realistic, or just uh, just I guess just more mature for the medium, I think it was you know it kept it would always kept my interest. And to this day, I, I still have I still have video games. I still have a bunch of them there. So yeah. When I was growing up, there were little video games that you could like plug into the TV itself, and then you'd have to get like the color cords right. I had um, okay. Teen Dream Life. That was okay. One. Okay. And it had like a remote and then you'd be able to like play the video game on the TV. Okay. Um, so that that was a that was a vibe for for me and then uh you're talking about having things on VHSs. I had yeah. like all the Pokemon movies on VHSs. Okay. 
And then I try to explain it to like kids I used to babysit, and they're like, "What is that? Like, what are you talking? About? What do you mean you can play like a game on the TV?" But I'm guessing, like, I don't know. What do you What do you play them on now? I mean, I have all the consoles. I, yeah. I there's a PlayStation Five out there. There's a Switch out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I've definitely the video game thing has stuck with me through my adult life. It's something I still I still enjoy doing. I don't do it as much as I used to, but I'll do it. And I go yeah. in like spurts. Sometimes I'll do it for a while, and then it'll be months, uh, sometimes a year before I get back to it again, um, type of thing. But I do still enjoy it. I think that it's interesting that sometimes, like when you're growing up, there's little things like, like sometimes packaging that you go, I don't know why I like this, or I don't know why this is so interesting to me. And I used to um, take things out of magazines and like my, I had these uh, two sliding doors on my closet growing up, and the clo- the back of my door. And the back of my closet doors were just covered head to toe in magazine clippings and random things that I would find. I didn't even know why I liked them, but I thought that they were cool. They looked interesting or the colors were cool. So, yeah, it was it was a little bit similar to that. But for, for you, I think that I could see it like with a lot of the animations and things like that with, with video games, like the way that things would pop out of, I don't know hiding places and transitions and loading screens and stuff like that i could totally see that yeah yeah it definitely again i think the whole thing had a very impactful effect on me growing up and i think like yeah like the the packaging the box art i think it was all very just interesting and and, you know to this day i still have most of those boxes in a box packed away somewhere um but yeah yeah so it's an interesting industry it it definitely has has taken on its own life in, in present day but I think the roots back, back way back when I could definitely trace back and I could definitely sort of like, oh yeah, that was, I like that thing or I remember that thing and I don't know why I liked it, but the, but I, there it was. And I can remember drawing the characters a whole bunch um, and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. I yeah. used to carry around like little sketchbooks of stuff. And I, in, in high school, I would go on vacations with my family and then sometimes I would like separate from the group and like spend a day by myself. We would go in in a little this town in New England, and I would walk around town and just sketch all of the like the marquees or all of like the handmade signs and everything like that because I thought that they were just such unique type that mm. was different than like I don't know Lido, Ariel, yeah. all these other things like things that were like more sans serif and like direct like they were just had so much character to them or um. I don't know, we would go through like all these old museums. I would go to museums and like sketch cool paintings that I liked. Um, so d- did you like sketch for fun and, and things? Like well, that? yeah. So you 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 went a whole different direction than I went. <laughs> I spent my youth drawing cartoon characters and, and specifically Garfield, which to this day I could still draw Garfield if I had to. <laughs> um, there was a ton of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff that I drew. And there was also Transformers that I drew. And so those were the three pillars of my drawing fondness as a kid. And, and now I didn't have sketchbooks that I did this. I would just do it in, I did a lot of homework and I used to get notes. I remember from teachers like asking not to please stop doing this on all of your homework. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there was definitely a couple of notes at home to, to mom and dad about please stop doodling all over your homework. Um, and so now I remember those specifically and i used to collect the garfield comics from the paper um every every day and 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 our neighbor um she was she was super sweet and she would actually cut them out for me and then give me like this giant stack 
um, every couple of weeks uh, for me to sort of go through and just look at them. And, and that's kind of how I learned how to draw, how, how to draw Garfield in different sort of poses and things like that. And so, yeah, that I studied that a lot. And so I wasn't, I didn't do really like still lifes or, or, or sketch things from real, um, from real life until like high school. Once I got to high school, then that kind of started a little bit, but even that wasn't, I didn't do it a lot on my own. Um, I, I, I would draw mostly just cartoons. And also I remember as a kid, there was a ton of jets and probably because of the flying thing. Um, but I remember drawing jets all the time, all the time. Yeah. Did you ever, um, a lot of my, my friends would like make those little figurines of like planes and trucks and things like that. Were you ever into that? What do you mean make the figure? Like, like draw them or? I don't know. Like some people can make figurine boats like with wood and, and glue and they like oh. make them. Oh, like a model. Like models. a, yeah, like, yeah. Like a, like a model. Um, yeah, I tried that once with a cousin and then I realized uh, I didn't have the patience for such things. <laughs> uh, it just, <laughs> it took so long to do the smallest thing. And then I realized like, this isn't for me. Yeah, that was that was it was a one and one and done deal for for models. Yeah, there's sketching and then there's like building it and both are fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just yeah, you just gotta you gotta play to your strengths, I guess. How big was the high school that you went to, by the way? Not big. My graduating class, I think. I think I could be wrong about this. I think we we're about 125 kids. I can imagine that that's like weird that they kind of all knew each other or like most of them knew each other and it's such a in my opinion like like small group of people that it's i don't know i feel like you know everybody in your graduating class by the end of the four years yeah you 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 do yeah you definitely do um yeah. you might not know everyone real well but you know names you know everyone's names for sure yeah it was small enough that you yes you, you knew everybody and there was neighboring school districts that were much much bigger uh, and they probably didn't because they were talking about a couple hundred kids graduating. Um, and so, and I know that we've had students come through and they're talking like their high school sounds like it's a college campus. Um, but that, that wasn't the case. It was a very small, very small school. I always thought that was really interesting because I would talk to um, friends of mine when I got to college and they would talk about, yeah, like my, my class was like 80. My class was a hundred. My class was 200. And I would look around and like, my class was 900. Wow. Yeah. So you, we have very different experiences in high school. Yeah. So you didn't know everybody, obviously. There's no way. I think I got to live a different lifestyle, though. When you have such a small class, I feel like your, your mistakes have a lot more risk to them. If you do something embarrassing or, like, there's a rumor spread about you. Like, it's such a small group that it's more significant. Meanwhile, I graduated um, high school and there were many people that had been in my school with me for four years and I never met them. Like, I didn't know their name. I had never seen their face before. And so I had so much wiggle room of uh, if my friends also didn't like me anymore or something like that. There were so many other options of people to be friends with. And so that's something that I really thought about a lot when I met people that came from like a lot of like smaller schools or even like religious private schools and things yeah. like that. And I'm like, that's so interesting. One other thing that I noticed was that there was this guy who um, went to like a private Catholic school 
And him and all of the other kids in his grade had been together all 12 years. And his mom was sitting with him in the, the car parking lot. And she's like, oh, my gosh, when are you going to get a girlfriend? And then pointed to this girl that was coming out uh, and walking to her parents' car. She said, that girl's lovely. We've known her for so long. And then he said, mom, like, there's only like 40 kids in my grade. We all know each other. We're practically siblings. Like, it would feel weird to date her. I've known her since we were like six. And right. it was a totally different perspective that I, I never had. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I, and I had a friend that moved away from junior high, and his graduating class was nine kids. Nine? Nine, yeah. Wow. Nine kids, yeah. So much that, I guess, during prom, I guess they invited other schools because there just wasn't enough kids yeah. um, and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, so he went to the, even the, the opposite extreme of what of what I had. Because, like, 120, you know, 125, whatever it was, like, it, it felt big enough. At the time, it felt really big um, to me because it's just all perspective. But, yeah, so I think it's, yeah, 900, just, like, that seems like a small college campus to me, um, that many kids. And that's just, I assume that's just, is that just your grade is 900? And so yeah. there's 900 for the other three grades as well. Yeah, my right. sister's grade was over a thousand. Yeah, wow, that's a yeah. lot of. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. And it was also really nice because there were other schools that were really close by. So like, hey, if you don't really connect that well with your friends at your school, there's like three other schools nearby that are equally as big. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like a lot. I now that I think back, it was like such a luxury that you had that many options for friends. Yeah, I guess, uh, again, you know, when you're, when you grow up like that, you don't know any better, you don't know any difference either. So yeah. it's just like, you know, you don't, you don't think anything of it. Between the ages of like 15 or 14, like starting high school. And mm -hmm. by the time that you're like applying for colleges, your interest in what you wanted to do when you grew up. Yeah. It changed the fact that I didn't, I had no clue what I wanted to do in high school Does any 15 year old actually have a solid idea of what they want to do they don't have any exposure to the world <laughs> i don't think so i think that you know I, I i think you might you might think you do at the time and and maybe you do and maybe and i'm sure there's people who have very like strong passions about doing something at 15 and, and they see it all the way through mm -hmm. i was not that person i had no idea yeah yeah i don't know what i wanted to do i truly didn't i had no idea was that uncomfortable no, no, I don't think so. Because like, it was more important to figure out what you want to do versus just like just settling on something because you had to or because you felt like you had to. So no, I don't think so. I think, you know, you got all your life to figure out what you want to do. Those four years of high school, you got enough when you're played, I feel like, to, to really not have to worry about such <laughs> such lifelong goals. And I know, you know, I know that there's some pressure there from outside sources or, or students for that. but. I didn't I didn't have any of that. So I appreciate that from my from my parents and things like that. It's um it's an interesting thing because uh I do podcasts with people from a whole bunch of different countries. And the one thing that I noticed is that in a lot of other countries, they don't have this same getting into college stressful culture mm. that we have here. Mm -hmm. I was talking to this guy in uh Australia and I said, Yeah, like what were you like really stressed out when you were in your last year of, of high school or your junior year of high school, you're trying to figure out where you wanted to go and like all the college applications and everything. Um, and he said, no, like I just signed up. <laughs> and I said, yeah. what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I just yeah. signed up to go. 
And yeah. I went and I didn't move there. I just stayed at home and right. like everybody commuted and it wasn't a big deal. What do you mean? What, what, like, and I was telling him, like, yeah, like friends of mine, um, I had a really good friend that was so stressed out that if you were to just go up to her and just, just to be friendly, ask her when she was 17, like, what do you, where you want to go? Like, what's, what are you doing after high school? She would just start crying because yeah. she was so stressed out because, um, I don't, yeah, you know, it's like, there's this big pressure for a lot of people that like, when you're 18, whichever school that accepts you, that kind of dictates how the rest of your life is going to go. Right. I had this really good friend um, uh, named Simon, and he got into UPenn, and we were all so amazed by him. And there was this this like unspoken thing that like he was like set for life, and like mm-hmm. he was going to have successful life. He was going to be secure and everything like that. And it wasn't until you graduate college that you're like wait, this isn't like the one thing that is going to set you up forever. There's so much more work that you need to do. And yeah. like you could come from all of these different backgrounds or in some cases you don't even need to go to college and you can still be okay. Right. And oh, yeah. I don't know, what what was your perspective like when you were in that that age? Well, I had I had a very different um, route than, than, probably, than probably you had. I didn't go to college right away. I took a year off after high school. And did a bunch of things. And I think it's probably one of the best things I've ever done. And I think, and I would, and I would say if there's one piece of advice, if someone's going to take from all this, I would say is if you, especially a student in high school, and if you don't know what you want to do, like, don't stress out about it. It's not that big of a deal. You've got a lot of time to figure this one out. And I think that kind of settling or just doing something because you feel like you have to do it. You got to go to school because that's what everyone expects of you. I think it's a really bad recipe. And I think it's probably not going to go extremely well for you either. And so I think for me, I look back, I took that year off. And I think one of the most helpful aspects of that entire thing, and, and the biggest piece of advice is for I could tell people is this find a job that you hate, that you absolutely hate. Mm. Because I had one of those. I hated it. I hated every aspect of this job. What was the job? Um, it, it was it was working in a mail shop. Okay. And so it was just sort of tedious work. And I hated it. I hated it so much. But if you find one of those jobs that you absolutely despise, what it's going to do is it's going to create this byproduct where you're going to start to become more focused on things that you want to do or trying to figure out things that what, what, what am I going to do that I'm not going to feel like this the rest of my life? Because I don't want to feel like this for the next 40 years of my existence. Like that is going to be awful. And so getting that, having that, that work experience and having that experience of just dreading, dreading waking up in the morning and having to go to this job really solidified sort of the, the the idea of like, all right, you've got to start thinking about big picture here and you've got to really start thinking about what it is you want to do. And I think because of that, it made me take college so much more serious because like I realized like this is the ticket out of here. This is the ticket that I, that I am hopefully can stamp that I don't have to do this job for the rest of my life. And I don't have to just hate everything about it. And again, it's, 
everyone's different. And I, and I think that if you just, if you find something that's going to drive you or at least make you appreciate what you, what you do have, I think it's, it, it really goes a long way. It really made a very impactful point in my life that, yeah, I, I, I and any time, and I'll be honest, any time in college, anytime, anytime I did not feel like writing a paper or studying for some exam or do whatever it was, and there was a lot of it. All I had to do was think back to those days and like that thought was gone. Like, nope, nope, you can do this. Like this is way easier and way better than than doing what that that went, you know, what you did for back then. And so it was definitely a motivating factor for me um to use to use that knowledge. And so yeah, my advice is is for students is like don't don't rush into something because you think you have to. Take the time. It's not going anywhere. That career is not going anywhere. College isn't going anywhere if that's what you end up decide to doing. But if you could find something, and it sounds so weird and it sounds so bizarre, but if you could find something that you truly do not like, it will give you the focus you need to figure out what it is that you might want to do that you will like. Um, and so for me, that was like, it was a big turning moment um, in my life. And it was like, all right, so I know what I don't want to do and I know what I don't like. And even that, you know, even from that point though, I design and stuff like that, that wasn't really, that really wasn't on my agenda. I didn't really know that kind of thing yet, but, but I knew that I had to do something and I knew I had to start putting some real conscious effort into figuring out what that next step is. And so that, that year off was really great for me because I, I learned a whole bunch about myself and more importantly, it gave me the focus that I truly needed to, to, to do college. Cause I think that if I just wouldn't went to college right out of high school, I don't know if I would have been successful. I really don't. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I would, and I can't say one way or the other, but, uh, I don't think I would have had the sort of focus that I got from that gap year of taking that gap year. So was the focus of the gap year, like working that job? for the full year what were there any other experiences from that yeah no 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 i was i was a ski bum too for a while so i was bumming around skiing and stuff like that yeah yeah i was i was doing a bunch of odds and end things all over the place and so that job wasn't a full year i don't i was trying to remember i don't know how long that job lasted it lasted it lasted long enough that i definitely like it, yeah. it had a very impactful impact on me but no i kind of bounced all over the place uh, and did all kinds of different things, all kinds of, uh, of jobs, construction. And that year was just a, it was, it was really just a exploration year of just doing different things and not having a lot of responsibility either, which was also the big, the big thing. Were you in different places? Nothing too, too far. Skiing wise was probably the, the furthest that I ventured out, but, but I didn't really work. I was just like, just couch surfed and, and things like that. And then, Job-wise, working-wise, was mostly around back home, a little bit in the Philly area and around the Harrisburg area a lot, yeah. too. Yeah. During that time period, did you ever learn about, like, how people are treated, like, in the way that people treated you while you were working? I asked that because uh, I worked a whole bunch of jobs over the course of my life, like, lifeguarding and nannying and being a maid and doing people's laundry and stuff like that. I remember there was this one moment where it was like very humbling. And I, I don't fault this woman at all for the way that she talked about, talked to me because it was very helpful to like, give me that kick to go, okay, I don't ever want to be here again. I want to mm -hmm. be successful and I'm going to make this happen. I was a, a nanny for this family 
I, I was like just exhausted from school and work and life and rowing and everything. This woman came home to see her kids and she kind of wanted me to leave and just go to another part of the house so she could have time with her kids. She didn't even really look me in the eye and she said, uh, I'm here, so how about you go find something to clean? <laughs> okay. And and I just remember like sitting there, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. I really don't like how this feels. And then like over the years of college, there were like little moments like that. Or um, is my entire purpose for the next two hours just like walking around this house picking up trash and half empty LaCroix cans? Like, yeah. <laughs> like is this is this my existence? And so yeah. I don't know. Did you ever learn anything about like how people treated you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. And I think that I think I've learned a couple of things. I learned that there is definitely a hierarchy out there in the, in the workforce. And, and when you're starting out, you're at the bottom of that system. Mm -hmm. And so I think that maybe not so much during that like gap year, but I think more when I first got out of college and started working like agency stuff, I think it was more of like learning, like there's two types of managers out there. They're the one, there's the kind that just constantly knock you down or don't kind of give you any credit for what you're doing. And then there's the kind, they're the other kind that kind of take you in and kind of show you the ropes and give you a little, give you a lot more guidance at a time that you really need a lot of guidance. And so I think seeing those two type of people kind of really makes you realize where you want to go or hopefully where you end up at and when you get to that level. And, and, and hopefully you can think back and, and put yourself in that, that situation of, of what that felt like be on both sides of it, you know, to be on both sides of that, the good and the bad. And so I think it's some more of, um, more of just seeing how people in responsible positions act and treat the ones that are at the bottom, uh, just starting out, you know, and I think that, you know, design, I think is very much in a in sort of hierarchy structure like that, you know, as junior designer, you start at the bottom, you kind of do all the grunt work. And as you work up, you get more and more responsibilities. But that also, as you work up, you also comes into the managerial aspect of the career. And I think that some people might just, some people might just forget what it's like, or some people just had a really, a really bad experience. And instead of learning from it, they just replicate it. And I think mm -hmm. I've seen that happen too. I've, I've seen that kind of just like, the thing that you complain about the most is what you've turned into as what I'm looking at. And it's just like, and you don't, it's a tough conversation to have, I think with anybody, because at that point they're, you're more of a friend level. And it's just, it's a, it's an awkward thing that to, to call someone out on of, of kind of how they're behaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you think about the unpaid internship conversation, like I know a lot of people, maybe they have really good reasons for an unpaid internship, but like uh, one reason that I can't understand is, well, I went through it, so other people need to go through it. Yeah. Like, I paid my dues. Um, yeah. why, why should this person, um, right. uh, why should it pay their rent when I was struggling? Yeah. yeah. That makes no, sense. You're, <laughs> you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't. And you hear it, and you hear it constantly. And, 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 and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just like if, if you can't, if someone just can't remember what that was like or because of the struggle, they feel like it's a rite of passage. And I think there's some of that sort of mindset to it. But I think that's just a, it's a silly mindset to me personally. I just don't, I don't understand it. Um, and and honestly, it's, it's one of the teaching philosophies I have. I, you know, I, and I tell students all the time, like I'm showing this because I did this the absolute longest, hardest way possible for years. 
And now I'm going to show you all of those years combined now equal this the small sort of concise way of doing it. And here it is. Yeah. And then, and, you know, I don't think the students really appreciate it because they don't know all the struggle and all the years that it went through to get to that point. But I think it's kind of the same thing, like just because I struggled and really had a hard time with this. Like, I don't want to I don't want that for you. You, I, you know, you're, there's a good chance you might not want to even do this if, it, if you had to sort of go through that struggle. And so let's let's try to avoid that. Um, so I think it's kind of the same thing. It, it's it's I absolutely understand where you're coming from. And I don't I think it's just too one. It's you're one or two people. You either you've learned from it and you realize you don't want to do it, or for whatever reason, it's this rite of passage idea, and now you're going to be the gatekeeper of that game, I guess. What you were telling me about that year before you went to school, that gives me so much more context and clarity when I was hearing you talk about, I think I remember you telling a story about just being in the library, like just trying to figure stuff out. and Mm -hmm. And I just remember listening to that, and I'm like, this isn't something that people naturally do. Like there's something else going on here. And I, I didn't know exactly what it was, but that, that gives me a lot of context on that. Of like the, of just the self-reliance type of thing or. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the drive, like for, for me, a lot of my drive at that age was like fear-based, mm. like, like worrying that obviously my parents are there for me and, and they love me, but like feeling like I was really on my own and I had to figure yeah. it out. And if I sure. didn't, then I was screwed. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay for everything? Like literally the way I was making money, like the, ev- at, like taking all these shifts at work and everything like that, it was all fear-based. Like it was, okay. it, it wasn't um sustainable long-term, but it was a very powerful driving force. Yeah. 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 And I think it's important to have that. And I think everyone's yeah. has their own driving aspects yeah. of, of their life. And I think it comes from all different avenues. And but I think it's just important to figure out what it is. And hopefully it's not a de- detriment either, because I think some sometimes students succumb to those those fears. Um, and I, I think it gets the best of them. Yeah. Sometimes it, it turns from a driving force into like a like a wrecking ball. And they just can't get out of their own way. So I think there's one or two ways of going about that. But um, yeah, that was that was mine. What was your life leading up to the decision to start school? Because you were at the Art Institute at first, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I wasn't, again, I, I I didn't apply for colleges, senior year and stuff like that, because I didn't know what I was doing. So I, I had that gap year. And then the only thing I really remember was I promised my mom that I would get a degree of some sort at some point in my life. Like, that was the promise. And I remember after that year was up, um, and and really realizing like okay I don't want to do I can't keep doing this this is this is not what I want um, to start thinking about okay what are the options and again I, you know I was skiing a lot then and so I was like all right let's do something that that'll be quick but at least make mom happy and so um, the art institute is where I ultimately ended up at it was it was between the art institute and um, Maryland I believe. And Maryland was like the four-year school. So I was like, yeah, that's no, that's too long. I can't do that one. So it was their institute. Um, and I don't, if I'm honest, I don't even know why graphic design. I always, mm-hmm. I always admire students who are in high school. Like, yeah, I wanted to be a designer and this. And I was like, man, I just, I didn't have that. I didn't know what I was going to do. And and so when I looked through the majors, I was kind of just like, well, what, what do I like to do? Um, what, what do I do that I like that I think could align to this? And so again, in high school, we just had like, figure drawing and painting and we did a lot of pottery stuff but there was no like design design and so 
when I was looking through it, I, graphic design seemed to kind of catch my attention. And I was like, I think I could do this. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where I started from was and went there to the Institute for graphic design. And then even after the Art Institute, I got, you know, it was two years getting done. The friends I made were all going out to get jobs and I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because this this one day definitely had a massive impact in my career. The one of the the the, the classes to graduate was you had to go to these portfolio reviews, and I think they still do. Um, but the, you have to do a portfolio review, um, and you have to get at least two interviews to, to to do, and then you you check it off, and then you you got to graduate. And so I was going to a portfolio review at the University of the Arts. And I don't remember, I signed up for two companies and at the very last minute, the one company didn't make it or they couldn't make it. So they had to pull out. And I am now scrambling to find somebody to interview with just to sort of check this off my checklist. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm not finding anybody. I can't like, because all the spots are filled up now. Cause it's like first come first serve and spots yeah. are filled. And lo and behold, there is a booth and they have spots. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And it's Drexel. Really? And yeah. And, uh, and it's Sandy. Sandy's there to. Sandy Stewart? Sandy Stewart. She is there to review portfolios. <laughs> and so. Yeah. Sandy was your professor and my professor. Sandy yeah. was, and is one of the, the, the founding members of the program. And so, and she's the program director at the time. And we sit down and she's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't, I don't really know. And, and so she looks at the whole thing and she goes, well, would you be interested in, um, in coming to Drexel and finishing your degree out and for, you know, for getting a bachelor's at that point, I really wasn't even thinking about any of that. And I was like, I don't know. Um, like maybe. And so th- at the time there was a wait list to get into the program. Uh, and I remember Sandy saying, listen, as a transfer, I can get you right to the front. Um, so she pulled strings. Uh, I started Drexel that fall. Wow. And uh, yeah, and that's kind of how I came to Drexel. It was just a cool, just chance meeting on a spring afternoon in the, in the spring of 2002 um, for a review that got canceled originally. And that's why I ended up meeting Sandy at that portfolio review. And, and that was like 19-year-old Josh, right? No, no. That would have been 22-year-old Josh. 22-year-old Josh, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So that's how I kind of got introduced to Drexel. Um, yeah. Was not really my intent. Didn't kind of really, was not on my like radar to to get to go there. But she kind of made a compelling argument. I didn't honestly know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't ready for the workforce. I didn't. I didn't know if my my skills were 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 enough. Um, I think they would have been, you know, with all my other friends that went right into the field. Uh, but no, I uh, no. Instead, I I remained a student for a couple more years. That's wild. Do you think back to that day often? No. Not often. I think it's um. It, I, you know, when Sandy had a retirement party a couple months ago, um. I thought about it then because of because of the the sort of impact that that day had that that obviously had had that had in my future future career for everything. Um, it, it definitely played a very pivotal 
point in my life. But, uh, and again, it was just, it was such a chance thing that happened. Um, that was not ever like, wasn't planned, wasn't scheduled. Didn't have any intent of talking to anybody from Drexel that day, but just happened to happen. How do you think she would have described meeting you? Like what, what kind of guy you were at that age? That's a good question. I don't know. I think that she obviously saw, I think the potential there and, and, and she saw, and she definitely complimented me on, on certain aspects of, the, of the, my design skills and then said, Hey, you could, you know, I think you could be better here. I think if you came here, we could, we could hone those skills in for you and make you better. Um, so I think it was, I think it was that, I think that she understood that, uh, like the work ethic I put in of the work I've done and that kind of thing. I think she realized that they could recognize it even then. And I remember um, having conversations with her later in the program about certain projects that, that, that this would be really easy for me because I've done this kind of stuff before versus like all the other students haven't. And so she would sometimes like make comments like that to me, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think she was just, uh, I guess she was just the right person at the right place the right time quiz in LA for me to to really sort of pivot and and make a change mm-hmm. oh yeah I could see yeah. that I don't know yeah little chance encounters like that are really interesting I had uh, one of those with Mark Willie yeah um, another Mark. professor uh uh-huh. yeah for p- people just listening I don't know if I ever told you Mark um when I was 17 or or 18, like when I was graduating high school, he helped me get into a a Debbie Millman event. Like she was speaking at Drexel. Okay. (laughs) And I wanted to go so bad. And I had done like one of those pre-college little weeks. And so I did did two at Drexel. Uh, One was with Mark and then one was with the product design um, uh, uh, professors. And um. I wanted to go to this event so bad because I love Debbie Millman so much. Like she was my introduction to design, actually, because I just okay. love stories, and she was a very good storyteller. And but like it just happened that all of her guests were design people. Ah, I just yeah, I I thought she was so good at like researching people and talking about their lives outside. Like it just happened that they were all design people. And so I would go on event. I'm the type of girl that I was like go on event bright and like find all these like things that had to do with my career or life or things I was interested in. And so I found out that she was going to be in Pennsylvania. I'm just like, okay. And she's going to be in Philly. And that's, that's like an hour long drive from my hometown. So I was like, okay, mom, we got to go. And so I emailed every professor I knew at Drexel. I'm like, can you please get me into this event? Like, please. And then Mark said, I'll take care of it. Just show up. And my mom (laughs) said, is this really happening? Like, is this actually going to work out? And he's like, mom, we got to go. <laughs> just trust me. And so my mom was just like hanging out in the car for like an hour while I was, I went to this event and yeah, Mark like waited for me at the front door, walked me in. Like I didn't need a ticket. He just said, sit next to me. And it was such a big impact on, on my yeah. life at that point. And it like made me really want to go to Drexel, made me really want to like be there. Yeah, and I remember meeting her, and I got like, so emotional because I loved all of her stories. And then she was like right in front of me. She gave me a hug, and she thought I was adorable because I was like, all teary eyed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was like little, yeah, little moments like that. That to Mark, that was probably just like a Thursday night, 
But right. for me, it was a big deal. For Sandy, that was just another one of her orientations. But sure. to you, it meant so much. Maybe right. it probably meant more more to her because of how much you, like, I don't know, that brought you to Drexel. And, like, there's so much that you've done for Drexel. Like, it's it's different. But it's a little similar story. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's just these, like, just chance encounters i guess you could call it that that have a big impact uh on the road down the down the road yeah for sure yeah i i i just remember like thinking back on on that day and i was like so cringy like i like cried <laughs> to this woman that didn't know me it was so embarrassing <laughs> uh, but i don't know that's what i that's just who i was at 17 so like it's whatever but yeah so like what was that time frame between like going to that like college and career fair to starting at Drexel? The portfolio review would have been in spring and then I started in the fall. Yeah, spring. Okay. And then spring, I started summer, fall. Okay. Actually, no, you know what? I started over the summer because if I remember correctly, like the design one, two, and three classes, they do like a like, like a super truncated one over the summer months where you could take all three, if I remember correctly. I think that's what what I did. That's intense. Yeah, I I could be wrong about that, but that's something for some reason that that sticks out that I did that over the summer, which then allowed me like to catch up with like the class I was in to, to keep going and stuff like that. So yeah, there wasn't a much there wasn't a lot of downtime uh, between when I graduated and then when I started back up at Drexel. That was uh, I think I was at Drexel for three three years after that. Mm-hmm. Coming back this senior year was just like. I had like the, the Viscom five and six, I think it was, and then yeah. Capstone or, or whatever portfolio, whatever they called it then. Um, I had like three classes basically just to, to, to round out my senior and then be done with it. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to tell the story about IKEA because I, I remember oh. hearing that directly from you. Um, yeah. And I thought that that was a wild story. Mm-hmm. And especially yeah. like, I, I don't know, the, the travel aspect of it and like the way that you found it. I yeah, it was really interesting. Yep. So I started freelancing my junior year of college. Yeah. This would have been 2003, 2004, maybe somewhere around there. I don't remember the year, but Craigslist was just starting. It was just coming, like just, it was just popping up and only major cities had it at the time. So it was like Philadelphia had one and then Pittsburgh had one but there was nothing else like there wasn't like little towns like it is now and so it was just like major cities and so there was there was a place that you could look for jobs um on Craigslist and people would just like post up random things and one of the postings was for some flash work some some uh, i think it was the Macromedia back then it might be Macromedia flash some flash work uh, this company wanted done and I responded. And again, I, I took at this point probably one flash class with, with Bill and thought, yeah, I'm ready. And responded to the ad. It was the address was out in Plymouth Meeting, which is just a little outside of Philadelphia. So I don't even remember how I got out there because I didn't have a car, but I somehow got out there. So so somebody must have had a car that I knew and I borrowed and I drove out there. And of course I you know, it's an interview, so I dress up. I've got a suit on. I, I from whatever I can remember, it's probably the only suit I had. Uh, so I got there. It's it's a brick building, and there's no signs. There's no nothing. It just looks like a plain brick building. It's like three stories tall, and 
I, it was the weirdest thing. So I walked in and the, the secretary was there and they asked me, you know, what are you here for? And I said, I'm here for this meeting. And they're like, oh, uh, how, how far do you live? How far away do you live? I said, well, I live, I live in Center City. Said, All right, well, is there a chance that you'd be willing to just go back and, and change? And I was like, what? And she's like, just, just T-shirt and jeans. Like, suits make people uncomfortable here. And I was like, what? okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. So I went back. I changed. Came back. Sat down. Finally sitting there. And, and, and again, I still have no idea what the company is because there was no signs anywhere. It was just, it was just like a, a signless building, an office. So sketchy. It was. It was. It felt super (laughs) sketchy. It really did. And and it wasn't until we sat down and there was a couple people in the meeting and they had this brief for me and it had the IKEA logo at the top and I was like, wait, is this IKEA? And they're like, yeah, this is the headquarters. I'm like, what? Like, what? What did you think you were? And I was like, well, no one said. Like, none of your emails said anything about anything. It was all like a. They kind of used an email server because through Craigslist, like it got hidden. So you couldn't actually see what the domains were. They, it was all kinds of this like sort of white glove policy where you couldn't, like, no one could see where it was coming from. And so, um, so we had this like meeting about this project that they were doing for um, the, I believe it was the stakeholders for corporate back mm-hmm. in. And so we go through this whole thing and they want all this stuff. It's, it's, it's this animated kind of like deck that they design and they want to animate and there's audio and there's video and there's all this stuff. And they do this whole thing and they're saying, we want to do this, we want to do this. And I'm just, you know, I'm just shaking my head going, yep, cool. Yep. Okay. That sounds great. Yep. Sure. Taking notes. And I remember I get out of there and, and they're like, this is great. This is great because I was a designer, but I could also build the thing, which is really what they wanted. And so this is great. Like you're you're the guy. We do what we want. And and I can remember leaving that that interview and getting out to the car and and then reality hit me. And I just promised or I just told these people that I could do this project. And at the time I could probably do 10% of what they wanted. My Lord. in reality like reality was i could do a solid 10 and the other 90 was so far above what i knew in my pay grade that I was just like oh so for the next i'd say probably two months i can remember i got like everything i could find on that application and that code base like anything i could find and Today, you, you, today, this I don't think anyone realized. Like, you know, it's like, oh, that that doesn't sound that hard. But back then, there was no, there's no YouTube learning channel. There's no blog that you're going out to look at. There's no people. There's nobody posting stuff. It's all printed material for the most part. And who knows if it's still relevant? Because as the software progresses, the books don't like. And so, I'm just grabbing whatever book I can find on this, and and I got the whole thing done. And but I can remember it was a it was a sink or swim scenario. And I also realized like I think I I perform best when there's a high risk involved. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a risk reward situation, I'm willing to throw myself in the deep end because I know I can rely on myself and I know I can figure stuff out. If 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 I'm relying on myself, I think I'm okay. Is it stressful? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> so stressful. And it's not something I'd want to do all the time. I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want that experience 
five days a week, you know, 365 days a year. But for that learning experience and, and being in college, you know, being in college and being able to work on a, on a project of that scope and that magnitude, like it was, it was so, it was so great. And that opened the door up for all kinds of clients going forward because those people knew people. And I got really lucky from a freelance perspective. I literally started from like nobody to write into big companies. And so that kind of like it, the floodgates opened up and I started doing all kinds of really interesting projects with all kinds of really big brands as a, you know, as a 23 year old kid. Um, and so it was really fun. It was really interesting that, that, that was when I say Craigslist, everyone's like, wait, what, Craigslist, that, what, what are you talking about? But it was like a different, it was just a different thing back then. It was not what it is today. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, you, you would say Craigslist, and a lot of times people don't even know what you're talking about. They're like, what's that? I never heard of that. And so it was just, like I said, it was just coming on the scene, and, and people were just kind of starting to use it. Um, and, and one of the things was people were posting design jobs in it that they that they needed designers for. And so it was like a good avenue of, of business. Do you think that you would have been that driven to do that if you had not had that year prior? Like that year after high school you're after, no 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 i think that that again i think that really find that thing that i just didn't like and it really drove a very loud message home to me like you got to take this serious and you got whatever you decide to do whatever you you know you think you're going to do and you think you're going to like you got to give it your all you got to put everything you've got into that mm -hmm. um and i think without that without that sort of opposite of here's everything I don't like. And here's, and it was a, it was a miserable experience in, in, in my life. But I think from that gave me everything I needed then for, for the drive to do this other stuff. And so, yeah, taking on that job, stressful, complete stress, but loved every minute of it. Didn't, didn't, didn't hate it. Didn't like wake up and like just dread everything about it. Like was excited for it and, and wanted to go. And, and yeah, like there was roadblocks and there was a lot of just like, just stumbling all over the place because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I, and, and truth be known, you know, I've, I, it's been years, but I looked back at that job once and I was like, Oh, it's so bad. It is so bad. And things are done so, so poorly, so poorly. But I also think that's true for everybody. I think everybody starting out, does things really bad and 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 if you get the luxury of going back and looking at some of your your earlier work you're gonna be like oh wow that okay that's nice okay um so i think it's normal i think it's just part of the business um yeah but i think that's definitely one of those that's definitely one of those avenues where i it was it's probably been God, it's probably been 10 15 years since i looked back at it but even then i was like wow what was i doing here but it worked and it, and it and it, and it, you know it, every and nobody else knew like it would if they got what they wanted it did exactly what they asked for um could have been done better sure absolutely but did i know any better no i didn't know any better so i did it the best i could and with what i knew at the time that's the growing pain of of getting better at something yeah the stuff it really that is. you thought was good at a certain time now you look at it with your ability now and you're like i can't believe i show this to anyone like, hey, can I scrub this from the internet? Like, I don't want my name associated with this. Maybe it's not that intense of a feeling, but I definitely had those times where I was like, oh my God. Like, my, my, one of my best friends, um, she's product design at Drexel and I was graphic design. Mm. And sometimes we, we talk to each other and we say, I just looked at my portfolio from when I was applying for co-op and I have no idea why anyone hired us. 
<laughs> like I don't know, like little little things. Like I like you're I'm so much better than I was at that time. That even though I was totally fine and like right. yeah, like for my age, like I was doing what I was supposed to. Now yeah. that I'm so much better, um, but the both of us look at each other and we're like, I. I was so confident and I don't know why I was so confident at that time. Well, I mean, you were confident because that's all you knew, you know, yeah. you didn't have this hindsight. You didn't have all this extra knowledge you have now. So at the time you were confident because you were confident in your skill set, much like you're confident right now. And who's, there's nothing to say in 10 years from now, you can look back at this day and be like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> look how much more I know and how much more confident I am. So I think that's just a natural progression, especially with, for designers. I think like that's always going to be the progression of looking back and having some cringe moments at, at previous iterations of your, of your life of your career. Um, but that also means you're just growing as a designer and just becoming better. So I think that's a good thing to, to also have. I think that like those those moments like I don't know I keep on going back to that year because like um I've definitely had moments like in my personal life and then in like uh like design life that um uh I look back on something and I'm like wow that was really tough um but I do not regret that for a second um yeah. and the way that I phrase it is like that was so good and so important for the plot of my life not that yeah. like going through that thing made me happy but in the long run, it's so good that that thing happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think a lot of people have those experiences, and I and I think like looking back, I think it, that's kind of what you use as building blocks, as foundational blocks that kind of like move forward and and get better at whatever it is you're doing. And so I think it's it was all easy. I don't know if you'd actually grow as a as a designer. Like nothing, if you didn't struggle for anything, then yeah, you know, what's the what's the work? Um, mm. So I think it's that struggle that really makes you appreciate that newfound skill set, and then kind of just going forward and using that. Um, I think it's a very gratifying experience too, because you just like look what I did, like what I learned, look what I'm doing now. So it's you know, it's, it's a good. Did you ever feel like um, you had a different perspective? than some of your friends in college not that it was better or worse or anything like that not comparing it but like your um perspective i assume was unique compared to other people because of all the different experiences that you had was it ever hard to relate to other people no no it wasn't hard to relate to other people i think there was a there was a there was a level of maturity there that was different from my for me than than some of maybe some of my my fellow peers done uh but i've also seen that exact sort of dynamic in students over the years that where there's you know we'll get more someone who's a little older a little bit mature and they're definitely their mindset's definitely different than someone who's 18 or 19 i think it was mm -hmm. i think it was that perspective where by the time I was at Drexel, I was already in my early, I was 22. So I was already the drinking age and stuff like that. So the, 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 my fellow students, peers, they were, they were underage. And so they're going that, through that whole process of, the, mm -hmm. you know, becoming, becoming an adult. And I think I already went through that. And so I think, I, I think I had this, the sort of the uniqueness of, not going through what they were going through at all the times and then being able to focus a little bit more on some of the work I was doing because of that. Um, so, you know, going to, you know, underage places and stuff like that, that didn't, I didn't do that because I didn't mm. need to. So like, I didn't have to use some of that energy that they were using to do those kind of things, which is, you know, it's fine, but I think it's just, we are just different points in our, in our lives. Uh, you know, I came in, I was, I was a transfer student. I, I was definitely a little older. 
Um, and so I was able to focus probably a little bit more on some of the, the projects that we were doing yeah. at school. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, I didn't, I didn't love all the projects and I didn't focus on all of them <laughs> probably as much as I should have, but, but I think it was like that different experience of, of having that. And then again, having that, that job that, that, you know, was the bane of my existence for a little bit and, and just being able to, to use that as the sort of, uh, the sort of inspiration that I needed to do, to do what I did at Drexel and stuff like that. Exactly. And so, I don't know, towards, towards the end of, of Drexel for you, um, mm -hmm. were you excited to graduate? Were oh yeah. You, uh, I couldn't yeah. get out of there quick enough. Yeah. 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 Were you because optimistic? That, well, because again, for me, like the freelance stuff started like really ramping up. And so by senior year, I was, I was like working like pretty much full time freelancing for companies and trying to wrap up this degree. And so, and, and for me, I lost interest in print pretty early in mm. the process. And yeah. so I was just solely focused on web specifically at, at that point, flash. Uh, and so coming back to do some of the VizCon classes, like I, and again, it, I, it wasn't, I probably could have been a better student. I know I could have been a better student, but I also appreciate the professors realizing that he's, he's, he's going through the motions. He's doing what we're asking, but he's not going above and beyond, but it's also, he's got no passion for this. He doesn't want to do this. And he's already doing this other thing over here. And so I, I can appreciate um, kind of their, their philosophy in, in me because it, it was definitely um a little unique where I, I didn't want to do some of the, the stuff that we were doing in school but only because of i just didn't have an interest at that point and i, I knew at that point i knew what i wanted to do i was already doing it and, and kind of i just wanted i just want to go and so that senior year was tough because i still had to do the three classes and and complete it and but then i was then i was gone so i was definitely that senior year, i couldn't wait to be, to be gone. that reminds me a lot of um this guy that was in my my graduating class um and and yeah i think you had him as a student i'm not going to say his name for legal reasons but um okay. uh, he was like very similar to that like i remember he would leave your class or sandy's class so he could take business calls um for projects that he was working on <laughs> and um it, it was just like wow he was yeah, yeah working full time and being in school and i don't know how you do that like, do you just not sleep? Like, how does that? Yeah. How does that yeah. work? Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't, <laughs> you don't sleep. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. I'm not saying it's good, and I'm not saying yeah. I, I. I think everyone should do it because I don't think that's true either. Um. It's. It comes at a cost. It definitely comes yeah. at a cost, and you're you're gonna make sacrifices. But I think though if it's something you truly like doing and it's something you, you're really passionate about and really enjoying it, it doesn't feel like work. And so it doesn't feel like, I, if anything, the Drexel side of it kind of felt more like the work obligation for me anyways, mm -hmm. than, than actually doing the, the freelance stuff at that yeah. point. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's a lot though, because you know, senior year is tough. It's a tough year for, for designers at, at Drexel. There's a lot of expectations there's a lot of work. There's a lot of, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that didn't change. It's not like they reduced my, my workload or anything. I still was expected to do everything else that everyone else is doing. Um, 
but I, you know, some of the professors didn't ride my coattails as, as hard as they could have if they wanted to about things. Yeah. We just did two hours. Does that feel like two hours? It honestly does not feel like two hours. No, wow. It's <laughs> no, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, probably a little less because I took a little break there for, for the dog. So I apologize for that. But yeah, no, that's time flies. I guess we're having fun. Exactly. I, yeah. I love doing these. They give me so much energy and they're so fun. Okay. Yeah. I, I was looking at your, at the list that you've done. You're good. Close, closing in on a hundred. It looks like, right? Yep. Yep. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're they're so fun. I um, uh, I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's just it's so unique to be able to sit down for two hours with like no distractions. I'm not on yeah. my phone, not in anything, yep. and I'm actually yep. asking you about about you as a person. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would say that I'm a very I'm a, for the most part a very private person. So I'd say the stuff you got out of me today that probably not a lot of people know, especially from the like the Drex community. Like uh, they, they, you know, like, they kind of just know me as the professor, and then that's there's no real personal side of things. So it's been interesting. Yeah, I I really appreciate your time. It's like it's really um, I don't get to do this unless somebody is willing to sit down with me. So like it's it's really a, a gift and i i don't know I, I'm, I'm repetitive when i say that whenever i end i always say thank you so much it's a gift but like i really mean it every time because no, it's, it's it's huge to me that, that people thank you for even thinking about me for to be a guest i appreciate that just the, just that alone thanks <laughs> when, when it comes to like uh you maybe re-listening to this in like i don't know years or like in the future or anything like that i think it's nice to like have a little time time capsule thing of um what are you excited about in like the the short term or the long term from here is there anything that you're looking forward to in terms of what um like the just in general the career the design anything Hmm. um well i am currently right now um enrolled in a um an ios development bootcamp um, oh, cool. which is, which is, it, it, it's very humbling. It is very humbling <laughs> experience. Um, and so it's been really challenging, but I think that there's a lot of really interesting possibilities for me to take this knowledge and, and apply it to some, some really interesting electives at Drexel. So I'm excited for that. It's going to be a ton of work, but I'm excited to, to see where it lands and kind of where, where we end up with everything. Um, from that from that perspective, I think that's going to be really interesting. I think that the design field in general it's it's so fast paced and changing. It's it's a little daunting sometimes to keep up with the latest and greatest. But as you know, as an educator, it's my job, and so it, it I I can't think of a better field to teach in because it's always something new and there's always you know there's always this next shiny object down the road that that you're everyone's gonna start chasing it's just a matter of time till it gets traction to figure out what that is um so whether it's like applications or language bases or just design trends you know and you know design's based on trends and they trends come and go and things like that and so it's just like it's just really interesting and it, and it keeps things engaging keeps things fun uh from a teaching standpoint it also though creates a lot of work for me to, to put new lectures together and learn new things and, and all that kind of stuff but it's but it's fun nonetheless and so i'm having a good time doing it so i think like from a from an exciting standpoint i think it's just i i think that we've ended up in a really exciting 
um, area of, of a career, right? And I think that you're right there with it. And, and, and I see all the kind of interesting things you're doing and to kind of just separate yourself out from other, from other designers, um, of the stuff. And so, you know, I, I, I delved a little bit into your research as well today, just to, just to give us some backstories, uh, just get back information on what you're doing. So it looks like you're up to some really cool things. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is, it's, it's great to see, uh, alumni succeeding like this and, and really putting all that kind of knowledge that they, that they gathered from Drexel and putting out in the real world and, and making, you know, doing some good stuff with it. So this is great to see too means a lot thank you <laughs> I, I i um in the the la the couple of months after graduating i definitely was feeling like really down i was like freelancing a lot but i was like oh my gosh when am i gonna like find my place when am i gonna like settle somewhere and then i i got a contract job for a year working at, at metlife and like that was that was cool but like it wasn't full-time and i was just like yeah for like a year or a year and a half i was really down like feeling like Oh, like I graduated when am I gonna finally like be an adult when am I gonna finally grow up and things like that and so like it takes a little bit of time um to to find your place after graduating but like to hear you say that to where I am now feels really good so thank you <laughs> yeah absolutely no I, I I absolutely mean every word I, I said and so I think it's uh it's just really fun it's it's fun to watch the alumni kind of grow and head out into the into the field and just just see all the exciting things they're doing and what they're involved with and things like that. So it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I appreciate all the time and I, I just really hope this is just goodbye until next time. And yeah. uh, I'll keep you in the loop of what's going on in Emily world and, <laughs> and I'll be checking in with you every once in a while. I think that'd be yeah. nice. No, please do. Absolutely. Please do. And again, thank you so much for having me. This is, this is a lot of fun. I had a, I had a blast doing this. Um, so thank you for uh, thinking about me and, and, and inviting me onto the, onto your podcast. I appreciate it.